All right. Good morning, Redeemer's Church. Happy Father's Day. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And as Pastor Dwight uh, shared with you, we've been in a series, or more, Pastor Dwight has been in a series for the last several weeks since we came back to our Sunday morning services called The Power of Pentecost, or uh, where we've been focusing primarily on the Holy Spirit and what God did at Pentecost. And so for many of you, if you don't know what Pentecost is, or some of you don't know what Pentecost is, Pentecost was 50 days after uh, Jesus uh, ascended uh, into heaven. Or was it ascension or was it his death? I can't remember. It was one of the two. The death? Okay. It was his death. He, uh, he, he died on the cross and then he told his followers to wait for something that God was going to release to them. That became known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that day was marked forever in history as Pentecost or the day of Pentecost. And so we're going to be talking a little bit more about that. But what I wanted to focus on on Father's Day this morning was I wanted to connect what happened at Pentecost to God's heart to express himself as a father as a father. And, uh, you know, there are so many times in life where we have these moments in life where we want to make a statement. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When you personally want to make a statement about something, right? You want to make a statement. There are a lot of statements that are being made today in our culture, right? There's, there's moments where you want to make a point and you are intentional and you are purposeful behind making a point. Pentecost was one of those times where God wanted to make a statement as a father. And so we're going to connect the dots of what happened that day to his heart to express himself as a father. So this morning, once again, we're going to talk to you from the title, Father of Pentecost. Will you join with me as I pray? Jesus, we come before you. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for... Uh, what we've already talked about in our service. Father, this theme as children of God, as sons and daughters. And so this morning, I pray, Father, not only for everyone in the room, but everyone that would be watching online, Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that today we would have an encounter, Father, with your presence, an encounter with your Holy Spirit that would further cement in our hearts this idea, this principle from your word that we are children of God. We are sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Jesus has died on the cross. He has risen from the grave. He spent 40 days teaching his disciples about things concerning the kingdom of God. And he's revealed himself to about 500 people up to this point. And then in verse uh, 4 of chapter 1, he says this, And gathering them together, he, Jesus, commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but let's have a little bit crowd interaction, but to wait for what? The promise, the New American Standard says it this way, the promise of the Father. What the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. Verse 5, for John baptized with water, but not many days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
listen to me, what we need to see here is that although Jesus commanded the disciples to wait, what we have to see here was that it was the Father who promised it. It was the Father who promised the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, wait for what the Father had promised. Now, Jesus, this isn't the first time that Jesus has been having conversations with the disciples about the Father's promise. He's repeated this before, before he even died. He, well, some of the scriptures that Pastor Dwight already shared were parts of this picture that Jesus was trying to paint to the disciples that God wanted to express himself and make a statement about his desire in being a father. He, he talked about these things, and, and once again, we see Jesus repeating himself, repeating an encouragement or a commandment. It's kind of like the same type of conversation that exists when your wife is about to go get her hair cut, and she leaves you alone with her three kids, and she says this, let me repeat to you one more time <laughs> what you need to do. Now, that didn't happen yesterday at lunch. For many of you, but that's what my reality was yesterday. Before she left, she goes, now one more time, this is what they eat for lunch. Because if, if she does not give me those instructions, it's five pieces of cheese, and we call it a day. Five pieces of cheese, some melatonin, it's a wrap. Maybe two if you're crazy. This is the type of conversation Jesus was having with the disciples. Now, one more time, let me reemphasize what you are to do. We see Jesus talking about this promise of the Father in a couple of different places in Scripture. We see it twice in John chapter 14. John 14, 16 says this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you Forever, John 14, 26, 10 verses later. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything that I have said to you. Pastor Dwight read that at the end of worship. So we see very clearly here that the baptism of the Holy Spirit had more to do with the Father's heart than the Son. More from the Father. Listen to me, so what this tells us all is that God wanted Pentecost to finalize revealing his nature to humanity as the ultimate father. Now, he wanted to finalize it. Why do I say finalize that? Because that was Jesus' mission from the beginning. I want to paint a picture, not as God uh, confined to your Old Testament, Old Covenant understanding. I'm painting a new picture of a new covenant that God is making with mankind. And the point of delineation is in this new covenant, he's a father. He is a father. One of Jesus' primary missions in coming to earth was to reveal... God as Father. And isn't it fitting and appropriate in 2020 that God wants to paint a picture of what a father is supposed to be? In the absence of so many fathers. 
The reality is, is on Father's Day, some people would prefer to skip it because they had a father's name on a birth certificate, but he was never a dad. He was just a man in the house or a man out of the house that all they maybe even know is his name. Jesus in his omniscience, the Father, God in his omniscience knows when he stands outside of time and he looks at the condition of humanity, he knows that there's going to be so many men that never rose to the occasion, stepped up as dads, and he wants to say, I'm a better father than you could have ever imagined, and I'm going to make a statement on Pentecost Sunday so that you know it. Jesus came to reveal the Father. He came to reveal the Father. Bill Johnson on this topic says this. He says, Jesus is perfect theology. Anything you think you know about God that you can't find in the person of Jesus, you and I both have a reason to question. This was Jesus' mission. I want to come to the earth. And yes, I want to tell you about the kingdom, but in that, I don't want you to lose sight of the king of the kingdom, and that king wants to be your father. And so he came to do this. John 14, 9. Once again, this mission to reveal the father. If you have seen me, you have seen the father. See, so much theology gets convoluted if you take Jesus out of the picture. He says, if you've seen me, everything I've said, everything I have done is to leak the heart of God wanting to be Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Listen to me. There is, and that's okay, I love it. What's up, girl? There is no one greater to tell you what a father is like than a son or a daughter. No one. Everyone in the room, you can see me hold my kids and worshiping, and you can have a preconceived idea, or you can have a perception of who I am as a father. But the most important opinion in the room is my kids. They're going to know. The ins and outs, the good and the bad, the ugly, they're going to know it all. And so they are the ones, if you want to know me as father, ask them because they experience it every single day. And the, the, the reality is, is even some of us, we may have experiences where we would say, what was your dad like? And you would say, I don't even know. He was never around. But you know what? That's the truth of that relationship. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Jesus wanted to shape our understanding of who God was, not just as God of the universe, but God wanted to portray himself in this role. This is what Jesus came to do. Mary wondered where Jesus was as a teenager. She loses him in Jerusalem which is not a good place to lose a kid. And she finally finds him in the synagogue or the temple, and he's teaching and things like that. And she said, where have you been? What did he say? Did you not know that you would find me in my father's house? The New New, uh, King James Version says, did you not think I would be about my father's 
business. When Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray in Matthew 6, he said, this then is how you should pray. Forget what you think about the way you approach God. Matthew 6, this is how you should pray. Our Father. He's painting a picture. Do you know in the Old Testament that if you were, even though we have prophetic things that were written in the books of the prophets where God would, would say he is the father of Israel. Do you know that in Jewish culture, if you ever said that God was your father, it was like blasphemy because it was almost spoken or people would assume it was from a place of irreverence that you could be that intimately connected to God. And yet in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, Jesus refers to him as father. To say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. God's not distant and disconnected. He's not this ominous being that you are to be afraid of. He wants to paint this beautiful picture of him being a father. John 5, 19, therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, truly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. Everything that Jesus did in word and in deed was to reveal as a Son what God as a Father was like. So Jesus dies on the cross. Are you guys still with me? Jesus dies on the cross. He rises from the grave. Then he tells his disciples to wait for the promise of the Father. Why? Because... God as Father wasn't done yet. He wasn't done. He wanted the disciples to have an encounter with God through the Holy Spirit that would bring full circle everything that Jesus had taught about God being a Father. Another way of explaining that is Jesus wanted them to experience everything He told them about God as Father. It's one thing to hear it, but it's another thing for it to be a reality. What he wanted is for them to experience not something as a principle. See, a lot of times scripture can become principle. It can become a technicality. Yes, I know God as a father because the word says it. But he wanted the word to become flesh and that to become a tangible thing on the inside of you, that you not just believe that God is a father because the Bible says it, but you know it because you experience it. This is what Jesus wanted to do. This is the point of Pentecost. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the culmination of the revelation of God as father that Jesus began. We don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in heaven. We need it here. Because in heaven, we're going to know without a shadow of a doubt that we're sons and daughters. It's not going to be a blind spot that we don't see, like bad breath on a Sunday morning because you drank too much coffee. Oh, it's bad. I'm sorry. You got Tic Tac? It's not going to be like that. You're going, everything we see here, that even if you die and it's been a principle that you've never experienced, you're going to experience it there. So we don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in heaven. We need it right now. 
in 2020, especially when you got killer bees. And I just read an article on MSN.com that, that in Florida, they're testing alligators for meth. Because people are spilling out so many drugs, and the alligators are drinking the water, and they're, they're getting tested positive for methamphetamine. You're about to have meth gators in July. That stuff is crazy. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, it's not just to experience power from on high, but also the fullness of our identity as sons and daughters of God. We're not servants that receive power. We're sons and daughters. We're not slaves. We're sons and daughters, Galatians 4. So there's two purposes I just want to talk about for Pentecost that express God's heart as a father. The first is this, that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit and in being filled with the Holy Spirit, we would affirm Jesus' claim of sonship. Jesus' claim of sonship. Everything that Jesus said was a claim. He was making statements, he was making claims, and, 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 and throughout history, Jesus, to some, has been a liar. To some, he's been a lunatic. To some, he's been a legend. To us, he's been a Lord. And it's all based upon whether or not you believe the claims that Jesus said about himself. But here we see that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to affirm that who Jesus said he is is actually who he really was. Listen, how many of you know that Jesus' claim of being the Son of God was a problem for many people then, and it still is for people now? It is a stumbling block for a lot of people to receive God. But Acts 1.8 says, he said, wait for the promise of the Father but you, so that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon, come upon you, and you shall be what? My witnesses, my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the remotest part of the earth. I'll never, being in one of, never forget being in one of the most remotest parts of the earth, in my opinion. We were in Africa in 2012. We were on a missions trip. And I don't know if we were in El Doret or we were in Isabania. All I can remember was we had gathered on a street corner, and behind us they were burning trash. So it was one of the places that we just set up. A, a crowd started to gather, and we, were, um, we, were, we did the drama, and then someone stood up, and they started to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to the whole crowd. And I remember as I was doing the drama, if you've ever been in this place, you know this. You're in the middle of the drama, but you're like observing the crowd, and you start to see different people that stick out. And I'll never forget, there was an older African man standing in the crowd, and he had the uh, typical Islamic cap on. Islamic cap. I, I actually looked it up. It's called a, I think it's called a, a Kufi cap or something like that. But it is what older Muslim men in primarily in, in, in West Africa, East Africa, North Africa, wear on the top of their head. It's kind of like a point of, uh, I believe, like dignity within the community. 
And in in, in his, my eyes were just drawn to this man. We preach the gospel, people respond, people give their lives to Jesus. He doesn't come up. But then we offer healing. We offer prayer of deliverance. We offer all these things that Pastor Dwight has trained people for decades on mission trips that you do because it's in the Bible. Imagine that. So, so we ask, we basically make this statement. Someone says something like this. Jesus wants to bring healing to you because he wants you to know how he is a different God. How he is a more powerful God than whatever you would believe in. So this gentleman raises his hand. So I come to him. I grab a translator. We go to this, this man. I notice when I come to him, he's got a cane that is made up of shards of bamboo. And what he has done is he's gathered these shards of bamboo around and he's wrapped them around and this is his cane. And I noticed as I was just looking at the man that there were points in the bamboo cane that, that the, the, the wrapping that he had put around the shards had ruptured because he was placing so much weight on the cane. And we come to find out he had gotten a car wreck and he had damaged his knee so severely that he could not walk without this cane. His, his knee... When, when, when seeing it in his clothes, you could see that it was two to three sizes the size of his other knee. And he said, I got this knee issue. I love for prayer. As a matter of fact, I remember I kneeled down and he pulled up his knee and I was like, Ugh. that's nasty. I also want to practice some social distancing, you know what I mean, like on that knee. Lord, from a distance, Jesus. But I remember when Jesus touched the lepers, he wasn't afraid. So I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my hand on this man's knee. And I'm going to trust that I don't have anything to give. I don't have anything to offer. I'm just a son. But I know my dad does. And so I'm going to put my hands on this man's knee. And I'm just going to pray that God would demonstrate his goodness as a father to this man's knee. And I started to pray, and I didn't have any, any of the good words, but all I remember was as I started to put my hand on his knee, the swelling started to decrease. And I'm like, whoa, I must be saying the right thing. And it decreased, and it decreased, and we got up, and I said, hey, I want you to test out whether you can walk. So first, he starts to bend it. He says, I, I haven't been able to bend it like that for a long time. And then... I said, well, see if you can walk without your cane. So he puts his cane between, underneath his arm, and he takes like 10 steps, and he's like, I haven't done that in like 10 years. And then I said, well, listen, do you, I believe at the moment I said, listen, God is, Jesus has clearly demonstrated who his father is and how much he loves you. Do, do you want to receive Jesus? And we prayed at, the, at that time and received Jesus. But I'll never forget that he, after we got done praying, he walked off. And I remember probably about 150 yards down the, down the road, he started to put his cane down to walk with it because it had been the thing that he was so used to. And he realized that he didn't need it anymore. And he picked it up, put it underneath his arm, and he turned back with a feeling of almost like, I just can't believe that happened. And he turned a corner, and we never saw him again. How many of you know 
that in that moment, me being filled with the Holy Spirit affirmed who Jesus said he was. That man did not have to question because I don't have what it takes. When you start to prophesy what's on God's heart, when you start to cast out demons the way that Jesus did, when you start to see healing happen the way that Jesus uh, that it happened in Jesus' life, guess what? People are not going to question where it came from because you don't have what it takes. And it will affirm in you Jesus' lordship and Jesus' sonship and that who Jesus said he was is who he really was because in the moment when it happens, you're like, I didn't feel, in, I didn't feel adequate to do this. I don't even feel anointing. But it happened. And so even in your doubt, you'd be like, look, even if I haven't believed at moments that Jesus said is who he said he was, that just happened, and I can't explain it other than the fact that he's on the inside of me. It affirms his, who he said he was. We would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and it would affirm Jesus' claim of sonship. John 14, 12. Once again, this reiterates that. Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I will do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. John 15, 26. Once again, another reason why the Holy Spirit in us affirms Jesus' sonship. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from where? The Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will witness or testify about me. This is why going after the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important because if you can be talked into your faith in Jesus, you can be talked out of it. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit that affirms his sonship and testifies to you, you can't talk me out of that. You cannot talk, to, talk me out of my encounter with God at 13 years old when I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can debate me. You can go to a college. You can go to a whiteboard and try to refute it all. But you don't know what I experienced on the inside, so I'm sorry. You can't. What happens is not logical. It's spiritual. It's supernatural. This is why being filled with the Holy Spirit is so important. The second purpose for Pentecost to express God's heart as a father is that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit and it would affirm our identity as sons and daughters of God. Our identity as sons and daughters of God. God just doesn't want you to move in power and miracles without knowing him as father from the inside out. Because then you would be a slave, then you would be a servant. You'd be a subject. When Jesus said, I have to go because something greater is going to come, he knew he had to leave to release the Holy Spirit that was on the inside of him so that every one of us could be filled with what he was filled with to know from the inside out what it is to be a son or daughter of God as a father. That's why he said it. It's not fair for me to remain because technically... I would be the only one that would know God as Father. But if I go and I release my spirit 
every single one of you will then be able to know what I know from the inside out. So the infilling of the Holy Spirit is that you would be filled with the Spirit that was in Jesus so you will know without a shadow of a doubt who God is as a father. Romans 8, 15, and Pastor Dwight read this last week and I was about to be mad because I'm like, you stole my message. <laughs> he said, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Listen, listen, when you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you do not have to question who your father is, because when you're filled with that spirit, it's the spirit inside you that cries out, Abba. You don't have to worry about it. He's the one that's making the connection to God as father on your behalf. Amen. Amen. This is why your sonship, you being a daughter of God, gets affirmed by being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it culminates the adoption process. Because in adoptions, kids do not choose their parents. Parents choose their kids. So when you pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you want to be filled, when you seek after it, when you're hungry, when you wait for it, you, what you will get when you get it is you will get affirmation that you are no longer an orphan, you've been adopted because the Spirit comes with the supply that cries out Abba on your behalf. You now have a father. This is why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so critical. It's not about just re receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the final reward. This is the reward. Do you know what Abba means in Greek? It means my father. It's not a father. It is a possessive word. So the father that, that is God, that Jesus cried out, Abba, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit that cries out, Abba, within you, that father becomes your father. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 9, this then is how you should pray. Our father. In other words, you possess the same place that I possess in the heart of of God. You are a son and a daughter and the Holy Spirit in you will affirm that for you. So you won't have to question it. My dad, the heart of the fathers, I want you to experience everything that it is to be my child. We can go through the scriptures. We can see no longer slaves. I am a child of God. And for some people, the reality is it's a hope and a wish because they know the principle but they haven't experienced it on the inside. It's a technicality. It's a name on a paper. It's a name on a birth certificate. You know what I love is that the birth of the church started with God saying, you're not going to be orphaned. I'm going to make it clear from the beginning of your birth who your dad is. And I'm going to put on the inside of you a spirit that will affirm that you are a son and a daughter. That you're not just singing a song because it's a technicality. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, God becomes my Father. I want to encourage you to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. To receive the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pursue it. Wait for it. Contend for it. Listen, it is your right 
It is your right. It is your inheritance. It is your birthright. I just finished a will for my, for my kids. Allison and I finished a will. And if when I pass, I have all of this that is rightfully theirs, and they never go to get it, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is your right. Peter knew it. Acts, it is for every generation, all of those who are far off in 2020, it's your right. It is the greatest gift that God could give to supply you with the infilling of his son's spirit so that you never question your illegitimacy as a child of God. I love Christmas. and I love Christmas. It's called a transition. I love Christmas. I love receiving gifts and I love giving gifts. The older I get, the more I love to give gifts. And uh, I, I save all year for it. We plan for it. We prepare for it. And at Christmas, what my goal is, is I want to make a statement to my children through what I give them. I want to make a statement. I, I, I don't want an aunt and an uncle and a grandma and grandpa to outgive my kids. I don't want a friend or a family member to outgive my kids. I want to pour out and lavish out my love for them and put it on display through what I give them. I want them to know out of everything that they receive at Christmas, what mom and dad gives is the best. I want my children to look back at Christmas and not think, man, listen, that guy Caleb gave us good stuff. I don't want my kids to say, man, that guy Caleb gave us some good stuff. This is what I want them to say. I want them to look back at Christmas and say, man, look at what mom and dad gave us. Mom and dad gave us the best. I want the extravagance of what I give them to illustrate to the best of my ability, not who I am as Caleb, but who I am as dad. That's my goal at Christmas. This is what God's heart was at Pentecost. God wanted humanity to experience the best gift that he could give them. And in this gift, he was making a statement. He was declaring his passionate desire for you and I to know him as a father. One last scripture, and I'm going to close, and will you just stand with me? One last scripture. John chapter 17, verse 21. Jesus prayed this. He said, he was with his disciples, and he prayed. He said, God, I pray that they would be one, even as... The Father was in Jesus, and Jesus was in the Father. 
so that the world would believe that God sent Jesus as his son. A lot of times I've read this passage of scripture and I have limited my understanding to it to horizontal. That Jesus' heart was, God, I pray that they would be one as the Father and I are one. But it was really vertical. Jesus is saying, I want all of them to experience the same oneness that you and I experience. He was talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. The connector. I pray that they would be one. And then he says, for that is how the world will believe that God sent Jesus as his son. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is what brings this into reality. It's what connects the dots. We have so many people in the worldwide church of of Jesus Christ who are agnostic. They believe in a distant, disconnected God because the, the anointing or the infilling of the Holy Spirit is what, it draws you and the Father together. And when we limit what we pursue in the body of Christ, to just believing in the Son without being filled with what's filled the Son. We cannot walk this earth and know the Father the way that Jesus knew Him. Don't sell yourself short. Don't overcomplicate it. So this is what we're going to do. I'm just going to pray for everyone that is watching and wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for you. You know, the thing that I love is this, is that it is not my promise. It's his. And it is not a promise that isn't yes and amen. It is for everyone. And so I'm just going to pray, if you, wherever you are, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I just want you to lift your hands up. God, we remove every bit of fear that is connected to people's understanding of approaching their father. You're not like that, God. I just feel like the Lord says, let the children come to me. And so, God, we we come to you and we just ask you for this promise because you said you would deliver it. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, if we've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at one point, I pray that we would be filled again because you said it. Because every now and again, we need to be reminded of our sonship, our, our uh, being a daughter of God. God, we need to be reminded of what you've deposited in us, God. So I pray for every single person in the room. that we would be filled with your Holy Spirit. Mm. And that it would be, bring a resting to the striving, to the slaving, to the serving, 
to the beliefs that we need to do something to be embraced by the Father. I pray that it would be, bring a rest in God. Do it now in Jesus' name. In your name. When you go, you would bring a helper. Sonda da ba si ti di 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 anta di 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 di